You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thanks for tuning in, those who, those of you who are watching live. Um, hope you like the uh, new intro. I just, this is the first time I'm unveiling it. Um, very thankful to the person who helped me create it. I was going to plug him, and I already forgot his name. Let me pull it back up here on my Twitter. Uh, do, 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 uh, Justin Campbell, and it's at jcamp1521. He's the one that put that intro together for me, and I told him I would give him a plug when I unveiled it. Uh, it does good work. I'm really happy with the, the look and the uh, the music that he uh, attached with it. So if you have any need for anything like that, definitely give him uh, a message. You can find him on Twitter and uh, yeah, he'll be happy to help. Um, I'm Jacob Daniel, host of the Daniel three podcast. Um, I have a exciting uh, guest. I'm really excited to get her on here. So I'm going to dispense with all the uh, pleasantries and introductions and bring her on. It is the one, the only Miss Karen Ann Harlos, secretary in exile. Yes. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Karen? <laughs> I am doing good. And I think, uh, you know, no, I, well, if I get reinstated, obviously I will remove the in exile, but I think I will keep that through convention, if I don't win my appeal, let them sick the attorneys on me. Oh, boy. It's been one thing after another. I wanted to start out with just like, check, how are you doing? I mean, I know it's been crazy. I mean, I don't even know how far back to go. I mean, it feels like really since July, it's been one thing after another. Um, it has but, been. Yeah, I mean. June. Since June. June, June, yeah. June, June 18th was the first removal motion by 
Mr. Uh, Mr. Longstreth. So yes, because they got me on the third attempt. Third time's the charm, I guess. And they had to cheat to do well. Cheat's wrong word because that implies they broke the rules. Uh, they had to be sneaky snakes to do it. Well, isn't it? It's kind of like, you know, not to get too like biblical right out of the gate, but isn't it kind of like, you know, when we talk about like as Christians, when people obey the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law, mm -hmm. it's kind of exactly. like what they did. It's like they found a technicality that they were able to exploit, but they kind of like in the way that they handled mm -hmm. this whole thing have sort of broken the spirit of libertarianism, which is you know, way more important than any bylaw or technicality that you can exploit, in my opinion. Oh, and they actually said, even if the, like, if it, how did they put it? And I'm trying to put it in the most charitable way possible or how I would interpret a libertarian to say it. Like, basically saying, if the most likely interpretation of a bylaw is immoral, we still have to follow it. And um, I was just like, okay, well, that's what police officers say, too. It's the law. You know, to jail you go for your substance. It's the law. And I'm just like, to me, a libertarian should be, well, if I'm interpreting this by law and it, it's like against liberty, I'm interpreting it wrong. You know, let's see if there's alternative ways that kind of fit in with our philosophy. But, you know, if you interpret our bylaws to mean denial of due process, you've gone wrong somewhere. And as Ayn Rand says, you know, examine your premises because something got loopy along the way. Right. And what really grinds my gears the most out of all of this is like, you know, even if let's say I didn't know much about the situation mm -hmm. and I thought that, you know, like like being as charitable as I can to, to their point of view, to be like, you know, maybe there's times where, you know, you have gone too far, where you've made a mistake or whatnot, because none Who of us hasn't? are perfect. Right, exactly. But it's like the amount of energy they've devoted to just you when mm -hmm. the entirety of 2020, we had to beg the Libertarian Party to just say like one lukewarm thing about the lockdowns yeah. and about the, tyr the, the the tyranny that was being instituted. And now they're trying to get a lot of us like in the Mises caucus and stuff to be like, oh, well, we're trying to get these funds together to put out some kind of thing now. And it's just like, yeah, but like, you know. Like, well, we, we, we wanted you to thing. act. We wanted you to act before it got to this point. Now that well, like it's gotten where we kept saying it was going to go, now you're you know asking for all of our our support after the fact and after you've treated Karen Har and Harless this way. It's a little bit of a big ask to just you know like I mean and yes, it's like I want to focus on fighting the state above all all things. Um, but it's um it's hard to have any faith in national right now. Well, I would urge everyone to support that program, um, not to punish the party because of a bad LNC. LNCs are transitory. But here is what's just the real kicker. That program they're rolling out is my idea. Right, like, that too. <laughs> right. I mean, it was improved upon by the communications director, no doubt. But the outline of it is mine. So they, they I don't want to say they took my idea because I gave it to them, but they, they, they took it as a gift and then kicked me in the ass. Like, yeah, um, it was like, it's like, thank uh, you so much as they kicked yeah. you out the door, basically. Yeah. Which is just... uh, what's the language rules on this one? On this oh, podcast? Um, yeah, no, it's... I don't want to, you know, get too spicy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, do, do, do your best. I'm not offended by curse words, but okay, no, my no, main I'll, concern I'll is just... 
my main concern is more YouTube and stuff censoring us. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not offended by by curse no, words. Okay, no, no, I got you. Skin. I got you. Yeah, I can behave when I need to. You see me at meetings. I never cuss at me. Well, and that's the thing. Like people that have been, you know, trying to come to me and and complain about you. It's just like I don't know. Like as long as I've known you and followed you, to me, you have been someone who goes. Uh, above and beyond what most people do to be generous to people, to be charitable and, and also to be unbiased. Like you, you, and you know, uh, I've, I've known you for a long time through your interaction in the Mises caucus. I'm mm -hmm. a moderator on the Facebook page and yeah, like people, you know, the certain factions within the movement act like, you know, you're just strongly in our camp. And it's like, eh, and she's given us a fair share of, you know, almost like stern motherly, you know, talks and, yeah, and stuff Yeah, that's why I did the dead the mother joke. Right, yeah. Said, don't make and, me take off my shoe. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like you've never been one to shy away from whether it's, you know, within the caucus group or when you're talking to Dave or Mike or, or, or any of them. So it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, and even now after the way you've been treated, you're trying to be charitable and you're being the bigger person to say, listen, this project they're doing is bigger than me. We should support it even if we're unhappy with that. And, you know, to me, that's the sign of someone who has an integrity and it's just, and I hear you, I do think we should, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, we should put down, you know, like not let our personal reservations or pride get in the way of standing up to tyranny. But, um, it, it, it so like I, I have been, you know, reluctantly supporting what they've been doing because I do think it's important. I think what's going on yeah. and, and you know, further ideas for it. But now I don't have the avenue to have them implemented, which is funny where, you know, you take the person like the creator usually knows the good directions to take it in. I've been I've been brainstorming this for nine months, but now I'm completely out of the loop, which is just and this may seem a little petty, but I think we all have a little pettiness in it. It would be nice if the National Party recognized and gave me credit, at least for the idea, but they haven't and they won't. And I believe in always doing that for people. If you want to keep volunteers motivated and we are, listen, I might have been an officer, but there isn't paid position. This is all volunteers. I might be an elected volunteer, but I'm still a volunteer. And I do think you have to give credit to people. You know, when you pay them, that's different. You paid them for, you know, that service. But when it's volunteers, I do think you need to give adequate credit. And they're acting like, and, and here's the kick in the rear. They're acting like they came up with this all this self. And then you have very bad actors, in my opinion, who are saying things like, oh, look how productive they are now that they got rid of, you know, know. her. And it's like, this is my idea, dude. I've corrected that everywhere. But it, it's bad actors who do that because I think it was pretty well known that Already Against the Next Mandate was my my baby. Anyone can go to who is org and see who registered that domain name in January. It wasn't the National Party. It was me. I gave it to them. I'm mean, going gladly gave it to them. You know, uh, no resentment there. You know, I would like to get some acknowledgement, but if I don't, every it's still, it's bigger than me. I just don't like these people lying about it, you know, and you and taking my idea and using it as a weapon against me. That's just really, really crappy. Yeah. I mean, it would be like uh, with the whole when people were like, oh, look how productive the LP is now. I'm like, that's like saying, look how quiet the movie theater got after like there was someone who had a kid kept kicking their chair mm. and then the adult got up and kept like turning around. Hey, kid, cut it out. And then instead of the parents restraining the kid, they blame the adult who keeps on complaining about yeah. being kicked. And then they kick her out of the movie theater and then it's like, okay, the kid's still kicking the chair, yeah. but there's nobody there. And they're like, oh, thank God the they they removed the adult. And it's like, well, no, like the, the blame doesn't go 
towards the person who is defending themselves from unjust attacks and and people being crappy to them. Like, you know, we I think we need I don't understand why libertarians aren't more gracious. Like we should understand that when people are under attack, whether it's physical attack or it's, you know, the kind of attacks that you've been under that are more like in the, I guess, I don't know how to phrase like professional nature or social media attacks and stuff like that. Like we're, you know, people aren't always going to be 100% gracious or uh, in, in proper keeping with decorum when they're defending themselves from, from bullshit. You know what I mean? So it's like, listen, there's no (laughs) doubt that I'm not always the defender. I listen, I give as good as I get. Um, I'm not trying to play a victim, but in this time, I got a lot more than I gave in unfair ways. Um, the way for the people on the LNC to respond to me who were unhappy was they they uh, escalated. Like, sure, right. do social media posts where you're arguing with me. Fine, that's fair game. Get on videos or start your own channel. That's fair games. But ganging up and using your executive power to remove me? No, that is not fair game. There was an unfair power balance there. They weren't fighting on the same turf. Listen, if they've started making videos about me, I'd be like, because Francis went and did. When he resigned, he went on some shows and said, fine, that's fair game. And I knew I wouldn't like it, so I didn't listen to it. I showed a little bit more maturity than some LNC members who can't seem to not watch my YouTube channel. It's not like it's beamed into your house. You have to actually make effort. And my social media page is for friends only. They had to take effort to see it because they're not my friends. I blocked them. So they had to go out of their way to view this content they knew would make them upset. Like change the channel. Isn't that like the libertarian way? Yeah, and, and you want to cancel the person? Okay. And I, I think Mike Hi uh, said it best too, which was like, you know, de-escalation was what was needed. And sure, maybe you know, it's fair to say that both sides needed to be a part of that. But we don't de-escalate the situation by just like kicking kicking one party to the curb and 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 silencing them and and stuff. So and the and the issues were pretty much resolved at that point. Um, the investigation committee report came out. We knew basically what happened. And the COVID messaging was starting because that was the two pain points that I was complaining about, New Hampshire and COVID. And those two were being resolved. So they solved a problem that was already being resolved, but they uh, didn't like that I exposed right. some problems. Well, you know, see, you know? Karen, see, the reason for that is that fraud, theft, corruption and ignoring state tyranny are just you know, those are insignificant compared to somebody who, you know, some pink haired lady who's saying mm-hmm. mean things to them on the internet. And <laughs> That's what it comes down funny, to. And there's, I'm, I'm going to put out a show in a couple of days. I, I don't normally target individual people, but these uh, certain LNC members that I will be, and one of them I've already did, now that they've even thrown me out, now they've decided to say things on social media about me when I cannot respond like on equal turf. Because, you know, so they they are now punching down, okay, rather than laterally. And I will call them out. And the fact is, in this whole, like, who was posting what on social media, Susan Hogar said the worst thing out of everybody. I was criticizing their performance as LNC members, which is fair game. Susan Hogarth decided to attack me personally and my mental health. And that was disgusting. And then pretending like you care. I don't want your care, lady. If that's care, I would rather have, you know, spite. And she went 
personal, I never did. But she's still there and she was one of my self-righteous judges. And yes, I am going to be calling her out personally to go over her inappropriate tax on a mental health because I can imagine some people in lower positions that might go, oh my goodness, I too struggle with anxiety. If I get in a fight with the rest of my board, is my mental health going to be spread all over the internet and defamed? That's the standard she set. And you don't do that. You don't go after people's like intimate either health issues or their family or their kids. Like that's yeah. all equal. I'm not saying she, I don't have kids, but to me, that's equal. You don't, there's certain things you do not do. And she went there immediately. She went there on the Allen C list. You guys didn't see it was in private, like in the middle of a private debate, all of a sudden she interrupts it. Like basically what a digital Baker act is the only way I could describe it. I had to file a formal complaint against her. So I'm like, this lady is getting way, way too personal with me. And I told her, we are not that familiar lady back off. This is unwelcome intrusion into my personal life. And she just wouldn't stop. And the rest of the LNC members just let her. And they came to me privately saying she was out of line. That's what kind of burns me too. I'm not going to name those people, but they need to grow a backbone and say publicly, or at least in the LNC list, what they said to me personally. Yeah. Well, that's a big problem. I mean, I know Josh has the same problem with people who have said things to him personally about mm -hmm. the crap that he's been through, but, but they won't take a public stand, which is crappy if you're a good friend you should stand up for your friends I, when they're under attack there's about four lnc members that privately if you say the name susan hogarth they go she's got to go but they won't say it publicly but they have no problem talking about me publicly which is just they, these people are my friends they know who they are and i'm challenging them i'm not gonna expose them i'm not gonna ever say their names um because things said in private i keep in private unless it's fraudulent but you guys, that ain't right. You're either lying to me in private that you don't think that, or for some reason, you don't have the courage of your convictions to say it publicly. And now mm -hmm. that I'm not there to cause any trouble, I think maybe you should concentrate on the other bad actor. That one's genuine. And people have said she's been a problem for two terms. Same things they've been saying about me. Then why isn't she gone to, well, she's a regional. They can't remove her, but they can censor her. They yeah. can tell her, stop behaving this way. There's a reason I call her Hall Monitor Mo Hogarth, because that's how she acts. She used to be one of my dear friends. We broke up as friends. And let me tell you, women breaking up as best friends, you'd think you were like a romantic couple. It's so intense, the, the, the relationship between two women. And ever since then, she's went after me like a spurned lover. Yeah. I liked Susan when I first met her. It was really disappointing for her. So did, she's been instrumental. Yeah. She helped me turned to anarchism. She and I were close, close friends, no doubt. So I know the good side of her, but I also know when you break up, it doesn't work out well. But she is instrumental in my journey to anarchism. And she's a fantastic activist. I won't take that away from her at all. She's one of the founders of the Radical Caucus, though Yeah, I don't think she's behaving like a radical now. Um, but that's a whole other story. I will not take away her accomplishments, but that doesn't diminish the way she's just been completely awful to me ever since we broke up, basically. I'd rather, you know, this is, listen, I'm LGBT, I, I'm bisexual, okay? That thing right there just taught me, I don't, that good thing I've like chosen the team of man right now. I'm married <laughs> to a man because, oh my God, I can't imagine breaking up with a woman. 
you know, woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, and yeah, but my, um, one of my friends in the comments, you know, was saying if she's too based for the LP, then the LP is a lost cause. But I, I agree with what Amanda said, which is we can fix this at, at convention. And, we you can. know, to me, we, we should learn the, le- you know, we, you know, and I've, I've had to try to encourage my fellow, you know, my friends in the Mises caucus and in the, cause there's, it's not even just people in the Mises caucus who are upset by this. There are people that have been upset with how national's been and all the, all the infighting that's been going on. And they like, listen, we, you know, the way that New Hampshire went down showed us that like, we need to, we need to be better than them. We need to wait to convention and vote in better leadership. And I think that's what, you know, what, what I think that's what a lot of people are expecting when, when Reno comes around next May. Well, I think people will be more educated about who they're voting for yeah. and ask for more concrete promises than the, God, some of them are just so vacuous. And also on this, I know a lot of people are discouraged by what happened to me. And, and I'd be lying if I say I wasn't. But the fact that I didn't leave, because most people this happens to, unfortunately, just leave the party. Angela Keaton, God, the parallels are so close, but she left. And I know that temptation to just give them yeah. the middle finger and leave. But the fact that now it's happened to someone who stayed and someone who will amplify the problems, like they picked the wrong victim, okay? A target's the right word, because I'm no victim. They picked the wrong target, and I'm not going anywhere. And I think this very visible pain point is actually positive, because in the old parties, you would, listen, I I would end up knowing something about Hillary if I acted like this in one of the old parties. I'd have been taken out. The fact that we can expose this in this party means the party's worth saving. In my opinion. So I encourage people. I take the attitude right now like I take toward my um, towards the U.S. I love my country. I hate my government. I love my political party. I just don't like the government of the political party right now. And I think if everyone takes that attitude, like don't blame or hurt the party because you don't like the LNC. Please don't do that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I um I, I wanted to highlight this quick. Uh, Amanda apparently came to find my show because you mentioned it on your show. So I appreciate that. Um, for those just for my audience, I'm a uh, Patreon supporter of Karen Ann. And uh, if you can, you know, I don't have my own Patreon. I don't I don't look for, for money for my show. But if you if you want to go over and support Karen on uh, on my behalf and help her out, I yeah, would certainly, appreciate it because, uh, you know, she's you've, you've been through not, not even just in the LP, just with your job and everything else that's happened. Yeah. Over, the past year you've you've been through a lot but i've always been inspired by how much you've worked and you know one of the and we could talk about the lp for a while but you've you've gone over that with josh and dave and other people and yeah, you know they, they, you they, know they, i'm always open to whatever oh yeah yeah i wanted to touch that on that a little bit at the beginning just to get it out of the way but um you know there's some other interesting topics i wanted to talk to you about tonight one of them kind of you know a segue from talking about the libertarian party in current events but just kind of more in a like conceptual uh, way, um, you're one of the first people I met who was a fellow like hardcore like like you identify as a Christian. You're a hardcore mm-hmm. anarchist, and you're you really believe in political action, activism, and working within the LP. And I'm sure you know a lot of people in the Christian anarchist community mm-hmm. tend to be very anti-political. And and I get that. I kind of I, I kind of was for for a while too. 
even you know on days where i uh tune in and see people going after you and how corrupt the party can be sometimes sometimes i'm like Ugh, maybe this is i understand where people are coming from when they feel like giving up but i feel like the party's worth saving i feel like we can get good work done um but i wanted to get your your take on that you know what makes you motivated to work within politics? Like, what do you think the role of the LP is and should be and and how it's not? I mean, you know, because to me, I don't view political activism as a violation of my principles as either a not Christian or an anarchist. Um, but a lot of people do. So I wanted to hear your, uh, you know, the answer you would give to somebody who's who's struggling with that, not not sure if they you know, could do that or not yeah. with, without compromising and, the principles. And, and I deal with that a lot. Like I, I gave a, I, I would have, for a longer answer, I would have referred somebody, if they go to my channel and they just search Liberty on the Rocks, um, I did a talk on um, political, because they're completely non-political anarchists that go to our particular branch of Liberty on the Rocks. My, my point of view is that, listen, I'm not going to condemn somebody or like get on their case if they don't want to do political action, but I kind of ask that they return the favor and very often they don't you know they do That's condemn true. people who, who do <laughs> political action and to me we, we we have our ideals and we also have the situation we find ourselves in we're not on a tableau rosa you know it's not a clean slate we have to deal with where we're placed it's kind of the bloom where you're planted ah, i got in a proverb um <laughs> po politics is going to happen and it's going to affect you whether or not you try to affect it or not. And to me, it just seems completely um, counterintuitive to let something happen and affect you without trying to do something about it. And politics is so interesting and in that you can use it to destroy itself. Um, the analogy I tend to give at these meetings is like a computer virus. Like, you know, there's plenty of, mm. there's those uh, anti-technology, which are narco-primitive. Right, yeah. We don't want any technology, but a lot of them are computer programmers because they're looking to take down the system. And they use that knowledge to say, well, I'm going to destroy technology by using technology. I think we can destroy politics by using politics. And I think there's something sweetly delicious in using their own tactics to dismantle them. And that, to me, is the role of the LP. The LP, when it was founded, always called itself an anti-political party. Too many people today do not realize that. And it doesn't work any other way. It can't be anything other than that because of the statement of principles and certain things that are just so foundational. And anyone who has a big problem with being in an anti-political party, I say this with love. I don't, I'm not a purger, but I also don't think the kindest thing for somebody is to tell them to stay somewhere where they obviously don't agree and are not comfortable. You know, some people who don't like certain aspects of the LP probably should find a party that they like better. I mean, that's just for their own sanity. And but again, I never tell anyone to leave, but I do tell people to really sit and reflect. Is this the right fit for you? Because it's also not fair to come somewhere and try to change it from people it is the right fit for. So that's just something I think people need to contemplate. It's kind of off, you know, off to the topic, but um the lp is more of a social movement in my view than an actual uh like solely political movement we, we obviously are we're, we're a political movement as well 
But social movements is what has changed things in this country, not politics. Politics lags behind culture. So I do think the LP has to engage with culture and social movements. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of Black Lives Matter. I do like some of the things they stand for. I don't like other things. It's a mixed but, bag. Oh, yeah, but oh my goodness, they got the whole nation talking about abolishing the police in a year. They did. Yeah. Holy crap. If we had that power, we could get the whole nation talking about abolishing taxation. I mean, why not? If anyone had told me five years ago that that would be the topic on all the news stations, I would have told them, uh, yeah, probably quit drugs or something. You know, there's something wrong with you. But social movements do that. Um, women's rights did not start out in politics. It started out in the home. Nagging the husbands, um, you know, and going and protesting at the saloons. You know, prohibition was a bad thing, but it was women that started it. Women with very little political party, uh, political power that did that whole thing. Bad. It can be used for bad. But I think looking at how it can be used for bad, we can turn around and look how it can be used for good. Like, I'm not a fan of Alinsky's rule for, rules for radicals, but there are some principles in there that we could use for good. One of them is there's no more powerful weapon than mockery. And the state is ridiculous. The whole state could end tomorrow if the whole nation just stood up and laughed at it. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that's that's so true. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. You know, you know, and I'm a pacifist because of my Christian beliefs, not because of my politics. And a lot of Christians get really upset with me. They don't think pacifism is required by the faith. And I don't judge other Christians, but I did I have come to the very firm conclusion that Christians should be pacifists. Um, we could get into that if you want to. We will later. Um, that's my, uh, <laughs> that's the yeah. third thing I want to get into, but let's, okay. Yeah. So I'm always looking for quote unquote weapons that aren't weapons, you know, right. so words um, and, and mockery. And that's kind of how I'm defending myself against this ridiculous LNC. I'm just mocking them because they're ridiculous. That's why I did the notice of suspension and Comic Sans font. And if my advisors had let me, I had some sweet clip art to put in there from the like, you know, early 90s, but they wouldn't let me. They're like, no, Comic Sans is enough. So I listened to was my it, was advisors. It Spike Cohen's mixtape? <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to put Clippy. Remember Clippy from Microsoft? I had that. Oh, yeah. Some, yeah, I love Clippy. Oh, man. It's some sweet horse heads and shit, but they wouldn't let me. Oh. Uh, Clippy well, needed to be there, though. That would have been. But Comic well, Sans was good enough. Right. That really was a nice touch. Uh, let's see. There's so many comments I wanted to highlight here, and, and that was a great answer. I, I agree with, with you on all that. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. funny about. You know, like a lot of Christian anarchists are are pacifists, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm like in this weird middle area. I'm not quite a pacifist, but I also agree with Christian pacifists on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like a lot of them that are pacifists are anti politics. It's like, well, wait, what other what? I mean, I'm not saying agorism and other things can't be somewhat useful in in resisting the state, mm -hmm. but. To me, the utility of political activism is that it is a way to nonviolently resist the state. And I don't think pacifism, some people get this confused. The root of pacifism is not to be passive. The root of no. pacifism is to pacify. So it means it's kind of like the, the Christian thing to like to be a peacemaker. Um, now, we believe, you know, like there's passages like Romans 12 and the Sermon on the Mount where Paul and Jesus are basically telling us don't overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. It's like, all right, right, well, so we need to utilize every tool we have to overcome evil. Just don't use any tool 
that is using evil means. So and I think some some Christian I, pacifists yeah. think politics are just no matter what evil means. It's like, well, make they're not always not always. It's, it's like a gun. Actually, a gun can yeah. be used for good and a gun can be used for evil. Any sort of tool can be used both ways. But I think and I think the early church proves this. OK, um, hmm. there is a power in non-resistance that makes people face their own evil. Um, that's how the early church grew is right. they saw that whole Christian families were willing to die non by not resistant. And that converted the world. And yeah. I think in any movement that can, um, convert the world, there is something particularly powerful about that. And we see that in a lot of passages. Why does Isaiah 53 say, you know, um, you know, that he was as silent as a sheep led to, um, you know, Slaughter. with cheers and yeah. he opened not his mouth. Why? Um, because there's a power in that. There's a power in non-resistance. We tend to think there's only a power in a show of force. Mm. But really, when you saw like that man who stood before the tank in Tiananmen Square, he couldn't do anything to that tank. He just stood there. But, oh, my God, that motivated the world more than if he had some weapon and he came at it firing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And that's why it's like I'm I'm in this weird I want to get into this later. So I don't want to talk too much on it. But, yeah, I'm in this weird. Mm -hmm. It's like I, I'm not someone who thinks that self-defense is immoral. But no, I don't. I, I, well, then, because some people, some pacifists do. And I to think me, they're it's wrong. Not, right. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's immoral, but I think I think in ninety nine percent of instances where self-defense would be legitimately allowed i think christ calls us to take a more radical approach in well in let using... me um uh, i'm sorry to interrupt you no, um, you're fine this is how i view christian pacifism i i don't judge people who use um self-defensive force because i don't think it's immoral i and that i know is unusual I view it such as um, I, Philippians, I can't think of the, the chapter, where it talks about um, the kenosis, how Christ um, found himself in the form of man and laid aside the prerogatives of God. It wasn't wrong for him to exercise it. He chose not to. And I think as Christians, we're given certain rights. We're allowed to exercise them. But because of our love for Christ, we choose to set them aside. So right. I have the full right to self-defense, but in order to model my respect for the image of God in every person, I choose to set that aside and say, I cannot harm an image bearer. Mm. That's yeah. where I take my passive. so as Christ emptied himself in order to be found in the form of man, I think we too are also called to empty ourselves of some of our God-given rights for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, to me, it's like you know, the problem with self-defense sometimes is that violence begets violence. And sometimes it takes someone to be brave, to, to be inspired by the example that Christ gave, I think, mm -hmm. to respond in nonviolence to end that cycle sometimes and it's tough and it's not like you can sit there and condemn a person for defending themselves no. when when they legitimately have the right to do it it's more that you know and, and you know it's it's tough it's not something taken lightly and for people who aren't christians i can especially get why this might not make sense to them but right. it's just like what christ christ overcame death on the on the cross and overcame sin through 
you know, being exactly the opposite of what the Jews expected the Messiah to be. They thought the Messiah was going to be this person that came and led a revolution against the Romans and reinstituted a a earthly kingdom. And Jesus came and nonviolently led a, led a spiritual revolution that was to establish his kingdom and a, and a more you know, eternal kingdom. So yeah. I think, I think that's all spot, you know, it's, it's it, labels can be very technical because it's like, if I say I'm a pacifist to some people, that means X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, no, I'm not right. that, but the kind of pacifism you're describing is, is a bit more approximate to, to my beliefs. I mean, it's even tough. Like, you know, I've been a libertarian for a while. I, I own guns. I have a concealed carry permit. Um, I like having a defense weapon, in case I want to use it, but I also am open to the idea that an, a situation could present itself and I would choose not to use it. Kind of like what you said, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's like you want to, I want to have that option on the table. I don't want to take it off the table completely, but I, I want to remain open to, to not put my, my faith shouldn't be in the, in the weapon. You, and my faith you never shouldn't know be in how you're going to react in some kind of dire circumstance. And I'm actually probably going to get to, I've become convinced though, because I, I think about this topic a lot, that um, while I can issue um, lethal self-defense, I don't think we're called to issue lethal self-defense of others. Mm, so yeah, I agree. I've, yeah. I've become convinced that I'm probably also going to get my concealed carry, not for myself, but in case I'm a, in a position where I can protect other people. Plus, again, you don't know how you're going to react. And yeah, maybe you will choose to exercise that right. And it would kind of suck if you couldn't do it. Um, you don't, it, there, there, there's nothing particularly noble in, in, in doing something, but you wished you could have done otherwise, right? If, if yeah. someone's going to decide, well, you know, this is it, I'm going to be, you know, some kind of martyr for whatever cause I'm laying down my life for this instance, you, you want it to be an actual choice. If you didn't yeah. have a choice to do that, is that really noble? I think it's oh, yeah. noble when you actually had the means to do otherwise. I remember Jordan Peterson said something like this once where like someone described Jesus as weak and I was like, no, like Jesus was incredibly yes. strong in what he did because he had the ultimate yeah. power to stop what was happening. And he yet said that to refused to, yeah, he, yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of like, that's an interesting passage that pacifists bring up a lot. And I don't think that passage was so much a condemnation of defending people. It was no. a condemnation of Peter's faith and the lack of faith that he had because right. Jesus had to told them over and over again, this is what's going to happen. And when Peter didn't trust Jesus to, to let him go and instead thought he had to protect him, it's like, right. if you say you believe me, you will not do this. And you, what you're doing is living by what, what's that saying? Like man does not live by bread alone. Like what you're right. trying to do is live by your means alone instead of having faith in me. And so, yeah. I think and he that, said that, to him, don't you know, yeah. I could ask the father and have legions right. of angels come in, you know? So it's like, Peter, you know, that's a little butter knife. Don't you yeah. know? What, I, <laughs> I could melt the whole world right now, you know? Right. So <laughs> It, it was Peter being ridiculous, but I, I kind of love Peter. Uh, well, of course, I mean, it's, you know what I mean, but I mean, I'm kind of ridiculous too. So I, I could see myself, you know, doing that and cutting somebody's ear off as well. Um, 
and Jesus put the ear back on, which I just thought was pretty classic. Right. And then after he does it, they still take him to <laughs> Yeah. To crucify him. Just, you just put your ear back on, dude. But you know. But again, remember, you know, a lot of people like to condemn the 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 legions, this the the Roman uh, centurions, but they faced really grim punishment if they didn't follow it's true. I mean, Romans were harsh, man. Yeah. They didn't play around. Yeah, they they did. Yeah, it was a it was a very brutal culture and society. It was. Um going back to the politics thing the, the, for a little bit um well, someone had a comment here that that you know i agree with i, I said right now i take Pete Quijona's take that we need to focus on the local city yes. boards and school boards and take over there yeah, i think that's what the lp should be i know that's what the mises caucus focuses on which is like to me it's about local first now i think national needs to be there as a kind of like a, it's what draws people in to kind of like is. realize like it's like they they need something that is a beacon for them so that when they are no looking at Republicans and Democrats and going, I'm not that, what am I? They have something that's easily recognizable that can draw them in. But then national needs to direct them to the states and the states need to direct them to the local county affiliates. Cause that's where the real I, work gets done. I do think we do do that. Um, I, I tend to think those criticisms of the LP, they might be valid in certain states, perhaps, but in general, I don't think it's particularly valid. If you have a healthy state affiliate, that is what they're doing. We're we're concentrating on Colorado, always on local races. I'm running for town council next year. My husband ran two years before. We've got two other candidates here that are in very winnable um, races. The reason why we have to run a national candidate president is because ballot access right. depends upon that in some states. And people in this country do not take any political party seriously that does not run a presidential candidate. Our problem is our delegates um, sometimes do not nominate the best candidates and they think they're actually there to win. Unless there's some miracle, which could happen, they're not going to win. They are there to funnel down to the states and to educate. We can win locally and we can win on issues. We don't focus on issues enough. That's where you can really win. Because if you can convince any of the old two parties that it's in their best interest to do X, they know how to get it done. So we've won local issues here in Colorado. Um, when I say we, I don't mean necessarily the LP. I do mean libertarians, both big L and small L, because yeah. the LP didn't do much for that mushroom legalization in Denver, but it was a bunch of small L libertarians. That's a winnable issue. We have winnable issues. Yeah, it, it would just be so much nicer if the LP was more involved, like like formerly like big L libertarians, when mm-hmm. those things get solved, because it would it would. I think grant more legitimacy to the party and, and make people take it, take it more seriously. But yeah, I didn't, I actually think, you know, I know here in my state, they do a good job of that. So I didn't mean what I said as a criticism. I think I was, yeah. what I was trying to do was just describe how, how that no, no. funnel kind of works. And, but some and people do have that, they they do. repeat that point. Like it's, and I'm like, well, have you really thought about whether what you're saying is true? Because that's not my experience. In my experience, we're pretty good at doing local races. And there's one reason for it that's not even practical, that isn't even because strategic. It's just we don't have much money. And when you don't have much money, 
local races is all you can afford (laughs) right but you know that's why i I think when you when you focus local it's a better you're you're getting more bang for your buck because you could spend a lot of money on a state Mm -hmm. race or federal race and no i I think it's important to do that for the message and ballot access like you said but where the real work gets done i think is on the local level and it gets people more used to the idea of not having a big giant nanny state that that rules over them and they get more Mm -hmm. involved in in local government and the ideas of self-governance, I think, become more realistic. But um, I think, yeah, the messaging is definitely something that the, the messaging and and working well on issues is not something I think the LP, the LP has been historically very uh, successful on. Um, something that I know that, you know, it's one of the things to meet, like the Mises caucus does a lot of like focus on issue coal- co- coalitions and campaign campaigns like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, I, if there's areas where the, the LP has contributed it, maybe they don't advertise it enough. I don't know. But it, it seems to me that a lot of times what the LP historically, even, you know, as recently as with Joe and Spike, and I love I love Joe and Spike, but it, it, it kind of like what you said. It's like it seems like they're trying to present themselves as, oh, we are legitimate contenders to actually win the presidency mm-hmm. and we're going to rain liberty down on high. And it's like... You know what I mean? And I think that's part of what contributes to people not taking us seriously enough um, because we're we're trying to I don't want you know, you said that the LP was founded as more of a anti-political party, which is like that. That's what I want it to be. But it seems like a lot of people in the party establishment want it to just like, you know, one of my um, I know like one of your trigger words is probably decorum at this point. One of my trigger words is duopoly. And like I use the word, but I, I sometimes get really annoyed when libertarians go, we, ha- we have to end the duopoly. And I'm like, that's not really my goal. I mean, like sort of, but like I'm not here to create a triopoly. I don't want and there I'm to be three to shitty options. The, right. <laughs> and I'm not here to have the LP replace one of those two and become a new exactly. tyrant. You know, it's, yeah. you know. Welcome to the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah. I, I'm not there for that either. Um, I, I know, uh, listen, also, like, to me, the LP is just like fucking game, sorry, effing Game of Thrones. And, um, <laughs> I like, it, you have no idea, like, whatever. There, there was somebody we had on the last term who looked just like Littlefinger, so it was just perfect. Are you a Game of Thrones person, or am I completely... I've watched enough to know who you're talking about. Okay. I, haven't, okay. I, haven't, I never watched it religiously, but I've watched it here. Yeah. And there. Oh God, I'm watching it again now after all of this because I just get so many LP references out of it. Um, but uh, I know she ended up being evil. But there was a good quote of Daenerys where she said, um, "You know, I'm not here to stop the wheel. I'm here to break the wheel." Uh, mm. And I know, again, I know she went mad at the end. We don't. We could take good quotes, and <laughs> I think that is a good quote that I don't think we're, we're here just to become part of the system. I want to bring down the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so what do you think? I mean, what, what do you think the direction of the party? I mean, I know it's kind of hard. Like this is one of those questions where like people ask you, what do you think the direction of the party is? Where do you think we're going to be over the next two or three years? A lot of it's like, we can't even know because it kind of depends on what happens at but, Reno. Uh, okay, but... I can't help myself. For those of you who are in chat, who are big Game of Thrones thing, I just want to tell you something. Okay, I think Daenerys got done wrong. I don't think that was her. I think Bran warged into her and made her do that. I do not think Daenerys was really mad. 
And that notice who ended up on the throne was Bran. I like my theory way better. I can prove it too. Remember when Bran earlier had that vision of the the, the um, shadow of uh, uh, Drogon over uh, King's Landing? That's because he had warged into Drogon to see that. This is all Bran. Bran is not a good guy. He's a baddie. Daenerys was wronged. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I should go back and rewatch the whole thing. It's on HBO Max, which I have. So yeah, I might go I back and yeah. I don't think the finale was bad. Everyone if you take my theory, the finale was actually awesome if it gets revealed later that Bran was a baddie. And I do mm. think he was the villain, not Daenerys. Interesting. Um and I like how ready. Drogon just did, see Drogon ended up being the hero because he everyone thought he was going to kill Jon Snow, but he looked at that throne and he destroyed the throne and flew off. And I and remember what Bran said, "Where's the dragon?" He's like, "Oh, we'll take care of that later." Listen, go back and watch it with the theory that Bran's the baddie, and you will see I am right. Hmm. Yeah, I have to go. I have to go back and do that. Yeah, I, I, but I agree with what you said. You know, like you know, dest destroy the throne, destroy the wheel. Um, Break the you know, wheel. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that what we should be doing here is just try. And it's like, I mean, I'm trying to like be charitable to their point of view. They want to not come across too radical to like people who haven't considered our, our ideas yet. Like, because they're like, then well, they're not going to listen to us. You'll but, get but, nowhere then. You right, have I mean, to shock the system. You have to. We okay. And I'm going to say this with kindness again, because again, I, I'm not a perjurer. I like to convert people to have it be a better fit rather than say, it's not a good fit. You should go. Um, this is a radical party. That's what you joined. Mm -hmm. I'm start, I'm not going to apologize for that. I will do everything I can to bring you along to this radical view, but I am not going to tolerate you trying to change it because that's not what it is. God, I have another Game of Thrones reference. Remember <laughs> Arya with her wolf? That's not who you are. It isn't when the wolf turned away because she was wild. Hmm. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm big into Game of Thrones. Oh God, you got me going. Well, I, I think you know what am I? Chatter into it. Some people in chat are into it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to brush up on my, my Game of Thrones references. The, the the reference I always use is the movie The Matrix, which was like you know, which mm -hmm. kind of was similar to like the when you're talking about like the computer virus and stuff. It's like you have to be able to enter the Matrix to kind of take it down to wake people yes. up. And it's like, listen, like I'm not saying the first thing you do when you meet someone and you're trying to wake them up is like literally sit there and just give them the whole truth right then and there. But you have to, you know, like Neo didn't get to the point where he took the red pill because, uh, what was his name? Mor Morpheus sat there and like tried to like act like everybody else. Like he had to grab his attention by like showing him all these things that kind of got him like, okay, these are weird things that don't make sense that are really grabbing my attention. Um, you know, and well, let me tell you something. I'm going to bring this back to Christianity a bit. What I find we act like, and I think the parallels are so close that it just really gets me. Once we know what's going on and we have this knowledge, we act like the Gnostics in early Christianity. We have the secret knowledge 
that's kept to us because the the hoi polloi can't handle it. So when we talk to the to the unwashed peasants, um, we can't tell them all of our knowledge because it's our secret knowledge. And I really do think we act like arrogant Gnostics. We can handle mm. it, but our neighbor can't. And that is crap. Yeah, that is just absolute crap. Oh yeah, and I really hate some of the like. I know you've people have told you to check them out but like some of the people who were in that like post libertarian camp and stuff who act like like king pill guy yeah and it's just like that dude listen i'm sure he's a nice guy in person (laughs) yeah the word salad is listen i'm going to do a skit on him i'm just letting you know because he really does rub me really the wrong way. And I'm, and again, I want to meet him in person because I think I'd have more sympathy because he seems like a really nice guy, but I think he puts on a different personality. Like his personality online on YouTube doesn't seem real to me. It seems like it's very, it's, it's an affectation. Um, So I think there's a nice guy underneath it. I don't like the affectation he puts on. It's so ridiculous and so imperious and so, and it is very Gnostic, isn't it? Don't like it. Don't like it. Though underneath, I think there's a great guy. Yeah. I hope. Um, I, I, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, he's, I, I've I've seen moments and people have told me they've had good interactions with him. So I, like, I have friends of mine who are, who I'm good friends with, who are friends with him. So it's like, I, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, sometimes he gets a little bit you know, his, his speeches can be a little word salad. What he's doing. Um, okay. I, I know this tactic, but a lot of people, you might not know this. I have had a very full life. I've done a lot of things that like people just freak out. They're like, what? Um, so I owned one of the internet's largest theology debate forums for about a decade. Um, back when V bulletin forums were the big thing. And uh, we came, you know, there's certain online, like, debate terms you know that's where godwin's law came from an online uh usenet yeah. um list well there, there's one that we developed on, on my forum was called perfuming the hog and that is what he's doing like he's just putting all this fancy dress and you know potions on really just a pig of an idea yeah you know and you prettied up the pig really nice but it's still a pig so like it doesn't matter how many dresses or perfumes you put on it you're still just perfuming the hog and i believe that's what he's doing and um people are just always hungry for the new thing even if it's just there's there's no there there well i I think sometimes libertarian and people like like, you know autists like 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 i am they can be so um Mm -hmm. yeah they can be so like uh edgy and anti-authoritarian and a little bit rebellious that like they don't stop like like they have to keep rebelling against something so it's like they're libertarian for two years and they're just like oh i can't be settled just here i have to keep there's always going to be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing it's like yeah i don't i don't know i feel like it some point like i'm not saying you don't stop learning and evolving mm-hmm. over time but to me it's almost like uh some libertarians treat movements like like it reminds me of like the all the diet fads and stuff from like the 90s you know what i mean it's yeah. like people go from one diet to another diet to another diet and it's just like carbs are bad carbs are good no high fat no low fat it's just like yeah. some libertarians are like that where it's just like lp no it's the gop no it's agorism. No, it's getting rich. It's like, I, you know, I mean, it's like there's no, listen, there's no shortcut to liberty, okay? Like there's no magic, right. you know, X plus Y and over two and up, we got to liberty, like some of these people think. Um, but some of these people in this crowd have been saying this lately, this 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 thing that I really disagree with and wanted to get your take on it, where they, where they say, mm-hmm. listen, 
most people aren't libertarians and they're never going to be. They're different than us and we're always going to be a minority. And so we have to change our strategies to adapt to that. And to me, it's like one that's kind of like buying into political determinism, which I don't believe in. Uh, well, I'm, to, you and I are going to disagree on this. I'm beginning to think political determinism has a great deal of truth to it, unfortunately. Hmm. I mean, I, I see where they're coming from. And it's like to give, you know, like I, I agree that the environment that people are raised in uh, pl plays a role. And I think it's hard to change people's minds. But to me, it's like if I were to believe that the majority of people that just the way they're born and their mindsets mean that they are uh, go always going to be opposed to libertarian ideals. Well, that, that to me would be to seem to be kind of like, well, we should just give up because getting anything close to a libertarian society is just impossible. And all we can do is damage control and whatnot, which. Well, I, I think we're defining libertarian society wrong. Um, hmm. I think um, I'm, Okay, I like to say I'm, a, well, I am an anarchist, but I'm an anarchist that advocates panarchy. Um, there are people, I believe, who are, I, I do think there is a great, I'm so, I, I, I say it with sadness, actually, that I think there's a great deal of truth to political determinism. But that doesn't mean we can't have a libertarian society. What it means is we need to let people have the society that they want. And that is very libertarian. If people want to be ruled and it's their voluntary choice, that's a libertarian choice. So in panarchy, you know, it would be basically just a mass secessionist movement where we all win. We all get to be in the society that we want. I don't think we can force people to not want to be ruled. And I think that's kind of where libertarianism has been for too long. We're trying to convince people that they want to be free, like in our idea of freedom. But a voluntary choice of being ruled is freedom. It's their choice. And I think we spend too much time convincing people that they don't want to be stolen from and they don't want to be ruled. Some people do. The yeah, problem but I mean, is how much they want, they want me to be too. That's sure. the problem. I guess I just, I attribute a lot of that to the environment, the public school systems. And I feel like if we had not like the problem always is how do we get there? But to me, if you did get there to the point where people weren't just indoctrinated, indoctrinated in these things from the get go from such a young age, I'm not saying there wouldn't be anybody that wouldn't maybe want, you know, I mean, to me, I, I, I think, you know, in a free society, it would be panarchist. I, I would think I think that you can have some people that are going to do like the hoppy hop up covenant community mm -hmm. thing. Some people do incorporated cities. Some people might do communes. I mean, there's going to be all mm -hmm. sorts of different ways that people um, self-organize and, and collectivize in a voluntary fashion. But I think that's different than people raised believing that it's normal to have one group of people that rules over 350 million people. Um, okay, so I'm going to challenge you there, though. That's been the norm throughout human history. And the it's not like everybody's been in our public schools. I mean, that's just the way people seem to naturally organize. Um, now, unless there's some huge step in human psychological uh, evolution that's going to change that, that is the norm. However, slavery was also the norm. And nobody thinks, well, most people don't think 
that's valid. So there's hope, but I think to blame this desire to be ruled on just some kind of modern education system well, is think, ignoring the yeah. thousands of years of rulers that came before. And remember, after the American Revolution, we had as close to a potential libertopia as has ever existed, and it led to today. Sure. We've had that experiment, and it failed. True. I mean, I think there were some fatal, fatal flaws in the Constitution that got exploited by by the uh, I'm people and stuff over the time. We had the well, Articles of Confederation. True, and, true. And there was a coup. The yeah, Constitution yeah, you're right. was a coup. It was. We had the experiment. It failed. It just yeah, did. I think, I think that there are some things that we have going in our favor today that didn't exist. Like back then, the big problem was communication. And I think mm-hmm. the internet solves a lot of that because a lot of people had the wool put over their heads just because like the news traveled so slowly and it's just, it was hard for them to really put up much of a f- fight. And it's not as like, you know, we're in completely different parts of the country right now and able to talk. Whereas that was impossible, not even a thought in people's minds back in, you know, the late 1700s. I think, well, I mean, it's like, not I actually an advantage, though. I'm going to, again, do some pushback. <laughs> the reason people then w- were able to have the local communities that reflected their local values is because they didn't have, feel like they had to have this connection with people. You know, we tend to try to force everyone in this country into one mold. Because mm-hmm. we we have this artificial closeness, like like we're neighbors, we're talking mm. like we're neighbors, but we're not. And right. our community values can be completely different. And this type of instant communication has tried to force us into this like national village that just will not, not work because you everybody's local values are different, and and it comes into a kind of friction. I do think there's an advantage to what we can do now, but I also think there's a lot of disadvantages yeah, to it. Yeah, there's always well. pros and cons to, to everything. Mm-hmm. The the I, I see. I hear what you're saying when you were saying like there's a psychological desire to be ruled in a sense, but I don't know. Like I, I see what you're pointing out, but I don't know if that's how I would label it. To me, I think there's a psychological desire to find security and safety, and I think that people what what the states have done throughout history is they they basically from a young age teach people like, well, the safety and security comes from the state. And it kind of makes sense because like, I think there's even biological things at play here to kind of like, you want to be part of a community of people because mm-hmm. it's just safer. I think what we have to do, I don't think it's like a huge, like, I think it's, I don't think it's as huge a psychological development as what, as what you think. Cause I think what we have to, push against and get people to realize is that the state isn't actually safer than 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 liberty all things equal i mean again you can take isolated incidents and no i don't believe that freedom is utopia but i think that the state falsely claims to be an entity of order when really if you look at everything that america does both here in our own country where we're locking people in cages for nonviolent crimes where we're you know, engaging in these economic manipulations that are destroying people's wealth and causing all this economic turmoil. And you look at what we're, you know, the last 40, 50 years in the Middle East and whatnot, like America is way closer to an agent of the American, the American government. Sorry, I don't want to, uh, I, I'm always trying to like not yeah. make that conflation of nation and state. Um, the American government is not an agent of security, in my opinion. It's, it's an agent of, of chaos. And I think that's what we have to convince people of 
and I don't think like I'm not saying it's it's like easy like you know you can sit down and within five minutes convince people, but I do think that a cultural phenomenon over time can challenge it in the same way that the abolitionists challenged slavery. And sure, slavery is impossible. I'm just listen, even as Christians. You know, the nation of Israel was ruled by God and had judges. And what did they want? They wanted a king. First Samuel 8. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he even warned them, which I I love. Right. I love it. It's like, you know, everything repeats itself, right? (laughs) Actually, I agree with the king-pilled guy in this way. I think the natural inclination of people is towards monarchy. I don't think it's toward the system we have now. Um, And I think that's actually... uh, bound up biblically so people just generally i i think that's just the, na- the natural inclination um and in some ways you know a lot of people are really upset with me i mean i don't want i'm an anarchist i don't want any rulers but a good king is better than democracy yeah but i the agree problem with you 100 a bad king is fucking hell yeah. but a good king is way better than any democracy. A bad king is also a bit of an easier. There's an easier well, path you can to solving it. that than there yeah, is. Yeah, you can kill him. <laughs> it's easier to kill one person. Right. Um. But in, in you know, I think in this country, I agree with the king pilled guy here that we've really demonized monarchy, but perhaps that's more controllable than what we have now. Sure. I, yeah, um, I agree now, because I, I don't think democracy is great at all. I think no. democracy is a piece of shit. Now, I don't want any yeah. rulers, but if I'm just objectively sitting back and going, well, now looking at history and whatever, I don't know. I'd take a good king to what we have now or queen. Oh, yeah. I, you know I think what I mean? there's more. A, a monarch. Yeah. I think there's more incentives because like, I think when you're a king and you're in that isolated position, there's more incentives for a king to not abuse his power or her power than there is with democracy because in democracy it's real easy like there's two things going on right it's like knows they're responsible and they actually a good king feels uh, the subjects are almost like their family like there's more of a human connection uh democracy is so diffuse nobody has responsibility everyone can diffuse the responsibility out or even whereas a king knows Listen, it's on me. Like, God, I wouldn't want the pressure of that, you know. But again, I'm not arguing that I want a fucking king. I'm just saying, objectively speaking, I see where these monarchists are coming from. Well, yeah, I I can definitely appreciate where they're coming from. Um, You know, the problem with democracy, yeah, like you said, the responsibilities easily. It's not my fault. It's theirs. And there's also Mm -hmm. the the the. uh, propaganda of we are the government when you have a right. democratic institution. So people just are completely content with, you know, things not going their way and the government being corrupt because it's just like, ah, oh, well, it's just, it's our fault. We just got to vote better next time. And it's, it's this, it's almost this really bad case of Stockholm syndrome and can, and, and psychological conditioning yeah. that I, I feel like, you know, monarchy can have some of that, but I don't think it's on the same scale or, or, or degree. Right. That you can tell by the has. way we treat our president shows, I think, the innate desire of men yeah. for a king. Yeah. And I mean, well, mon- I'm not trying to use a gendered term. I mean, any, I don't care. Well, I, I could say a monarch, but that just sounds too pretentious to me. King, queen, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's some word for a non-binary monarch. I don't care. I, I do think there's some kind of innate desire for a singular ruler. Um, and history bears that out. 
Yeah. I mean, look, the Bible bears that out. I mean, like yes. you brought up in, in, in post I love the way that judges end where it's like, you know, everybody did what was right in their own eyes and there was no king in the land. And it's like setting up like, oh, if they just get a king, everything will be great. Right. right? Then like the rest of the Old Testament's like, eh, actually, no, the king is kind of worse than the yeah. anarchy of the judges time period because and mm -hmm. i think that's such a great like the bible basically says yeah freedom can suck because humans are fallible and sinful mm -hmm. but um you know statism and kings kind of suck a bit worse because you end up kind of being their slaves um, right. which is what god's warning basically was but god also said like the a lot of christian libertarians and anarchists bring up that passage the subtle thing that gets missed is that Sam, god says to samuel when samuel says hey they you're asking for this king what do you want me to do god says listen it's not your fault they are rejecting me just as they did from the moment i brought them out of egypt and what he's basically mm -hmm. saying is statism is just the uh oldest form of idolatry it's, it's a rebellion it's a and idolatry rebellion. yeah so it's it, going all the way back to the garden it's just people are always rejecting just complete you know being being uh su submitted to god and they want to have you know whether it's a golden calf or it's trump mm -hmm. or whatever people people want that so i i definitely agree that that is um part of human nature i just don't know if it's like if it's so specifically determined like it's so determined that it's like our cause is hopeless and all we can do is but see, I hope don't, for a little what, tiny yeah see what is our cause though i think it depends on how you define our cause um if the ultimate goal is for everyone to win which is my ultimate goal then no our cause isn't lost i think in recognizing that not everybody's going to want this wild anarchy and accepting that some people are going to want rulers let them have them yeah, i agree the problem is don't make me want them too right so you know yeah. i i had like reached a point of despair for a while when i was like i when i said i said this on facebook I realized that most people don't want to be free and they don't want me to be either. And that right there is the problem. But I think too long we've defined our cause as wanting to make everyone want to be free in the same way we do. And that's kind of arrogant in a way. And it is very controlling of other people. I want to have some kind of system where everyone can win. Sure. No, I agree with that. And I, I kind of like the way you put it. It's the way uh, that the Mises caucus puts it too, which is like what we need is a, you know, kind of like a decentralization or a secession revolution. Yeah, where, no, I'm a yeah. big secessionist yeah. down to the individual. Um, the problem is that, you know, that word's been so tainted because yeah, of the way it was used for, for evil. Um, I have a weird theory, like a lot of people don't agree, and it's not particularly libertarian, but I could tell you my view on um, the Civil War was, I think it, the United States would have been much better if the North let the South go and then declared war upon them as a foreign country. I agree. I and was... conquered them. The yep. result would have been the same, but the precedent of this is the Hotel California, you can't leave, wouldn't have been set because that was terrible. But well, I think we should not, let them go yeah. and then conquered them as a foreign country. And well, they could have. They could have economically Slavery needed to go. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it, this isn't a particularly libertarian view, but because you know, non-interventionist and all of that. But I think because the North bore responsibility for allowing that to happen, they had a responsibility to stop it. 
Yeah, so I, think... I have no problem with the war to end slavery. I have no problem with it, honestly. And that's not my most libertarian view. I just, oh my God, like I find slavery, like I think about it, it's in this country. Like it's so easy to think of, oh, the Romans did this or whatever, but not that long ago. Really, slavery is not that long ago. I'm from the South. People mm. there were owning other human beings. I'm like, want I vomit in my mouth to think that is so close. Like it's only a couple of generations. So I got a real like visceral emotional reaction where some of my libertarianism goes out the window when I envision like what that must have been like to have to have bear a child and realize that somebody else could sell your child, could sell your husband, could rape you. Like, oh my don't even yeah. get me. It's just I, I I I got somewhat of a grim view that of this country in that way, that in a way I almost think because they didn't get rid of slavery immediately, that we were doomed from the womb, that that's why the experiment failed, that God God shall not be mocked, and that yeah. a country born out of slavery is just never ever going to prosper. It's like um, it's, it's the curse on your house in a way. And I do think a lot of the problems we have today are because of the wound of slavery. I'm not sure we can ever recover from that. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, I thought we were when I was younger, but cause I, cause I, I kind of grew up thinking oh, everyone thinks racism is bad. Everyone thinks slavery is bad. And I, I grew up at a time, you know, in the nineties and stuff where racial tensions, at least in my my view, maybe I was oblivious because I was a child. I thought they were better. Certainly, things have heated back up over the last five, mm -hmm. ten years. Um, you know, both you know a little bit under the Obama years and especially under Trump. Um, you know, a lot a lot of the cultural stuff is hard too, both as a Christian and a libertarian, um, which was something I wanted to talk to you about too, because I know, you know, you're kind of like, and I I I. Uh, empathize with this a lot because like to me when, I, when I, I hear you talk it's like in some ways it's like you'll have a talking point you're talking on a subject it's like okay she sounds a bit more left-leaning there then you'll have something where like okay that sounds a bit more right-leaning there i also think right left these labels are stupid yeah they're sometimes. kind of ridiculous yeah now. because like none of us are like binary unless like oh i'm right so all my opinions are just straight down the and line those you know terms I mean? like have been exploded by the two old parties like what does that yeah. even mean anymore yeah i don't i don't know what it means either mm -hmm. but um, but it's, but then it's like, okay, how do I describe things shorthand without like going right. on giant, you know, like, you know, explanatory speeches every time I talk about something, but you know, what, what do you think the role as both like a Christian and a libertarian is in like the, the, the current culture war going on, which is like, it seems like it's almost sometimes a no win scenario. And it's like trying to sit and have any nuances is, is is not allowed it's like you you're either you're either like well screw black lives matter and screw all the lgbt stuff and just like we're going to be really like nasty towards these people very hostile very you know a, a lot of christians can be very unchrist-like in their response to these people which i don't like on the flip side there's a culture on the left that's very in my opinion authoritarian and very like you know you will believe in say as we do and believe mm -hmm. or you know you'll be caught you know all sorts of things you see all that um and it's tough and everyone wants to be reactionary on both sides you know what i mean it's a it's very cyclical and 
I don't know how to navigate it very well because uh, it's just um, like I feel like I'm either in the middle getting everyone to yell at me and hate me or I'm like, you know, trying to, you know, at one mo- point in time, I'll try to loosely like just calm down the reactionaries. But like if you stand against a reactionary, they just think, oh, well, you're just one of them and no nuance goes out the window. So how do you navigate it? How do you view all, all the stuff going on in our culture? Well, I, I did, dealt with this a little bit. I was on unsafe spaces and here's, to me, this is obviously when you, no matter what problem you say to an anarchist, they're going to say, well, ultimately the issue is the state. Sure. But in the culture wars, I actually do think very, not even like tongue in cheek or libertarian extremist, that the problem is the state because there wouldn't be this intense interest in fighting a culture war if there wasn't the possibility of using state force to enforce your view. What everyone is doing is arguing for the gun on the table is who's going to hold the gun on the table. If the gun wasn't on the table, I think a lot of it would go away and people would just coalesce into the communities that make them comfortable. Now I'm not a big hoppy person, but I do think he had something there with the idea. I don't believe in the covenant community bullshit. It's just feudalism by another name. But I do think in a sense, people are going to coalesce into the communities that agree with them. And there's nothing wrong with that. And they can argue with other people to agree with them. Pro- uh, the problem today is each group is trying to get the force of the state. The minute you take the gun off the table, then you're just arguing with people about ideas. And there's no, um, there's no uh, threat that extreme, you know, only social pressure can be used once the gun's off the table. And everyone's on an equal playing field. But right now, like the guy with the cakes in Colorado, he couldn't have that opinion because the state came in and forced him not to have that opinion. Whereas Mm -hmm. maybe we could have convinced this guy through rational discussion because, listen, I'm not going to judge him, but I think it's stupid not to bake a cake. Like, that's not agreeing with their wedding, dude. I mean, but that's his conviction. Yeah, and if they had asked him to been... cater the wedding, like to like show up there and and serve right. and stuff, maybe that'd be a bit different. But yeah, just. But you know, that's cake. his conviction. Yeah. If yeah. he didn't want, if he didn't like girls with pink hair, he has the right to refuse that too. I could think that's shitty, but the minute anyone's picking up the gun, you've just escalated, and there's never going to be a resolution. You know, I, at all. Yeah, I hear that. I, I, I always wonder, because I think the state definitely makes it worse. Um, I, I do think sometimes, like, it's kind of like a chicken and the egg thing. It's also like, you know, I know Dave was talking about this in his podcast the other day, which was like, he kind of disagrees with the whole politics being downstream from culture, because he's like, well, sometimes politics affects culture. And I'm like, I think sometimes, sometimes, just because there's an yeah. ex- listen, what, what's the classic argument? Just because there are tall women, it doesn't disprove the rule that generally men are sure. taller than women. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, the exception does not disprove the rule. Generally yeah, speaking, politics is downstream from culture. Sometimes that's not the case. And where it becomes increasingly not the case is the more authoritarian the government gets, the more they take over everything, including social like they're not downstream of anything because they they refuse to be so as we become yeah yeah, (laughs) as we become more authoritarian yeah that will start to shift yeah that makes sense um but yeah i always wonder like how much of the culture war is fueled by the state or then is it the other way around are they fighting over the state because that's an inevitable like way the culture war goes because people don't always seem to be willing to 
agree to disagree. Um, and this is like guilt. I think Christians have historically been just as guilty as this as non Christians have been. Oh, no, Some, Christians yeah. are getting now as good as they gave. How long did we yeah. use the force of the state yeah. to say, okay, well, homosexuality is going to be illegal and this is going to be illegal? Listen. Um, we really are reaping what we sowed. It's blowback. We really are. Oh, yeah, most yeah. definitely, because the former victims are the most vicious conquerors. Yeah, That's I 100% just agree. Always the way it is. I mean, I listen, again, being a member of that community myself, I have sympathy to it. But um, the gay folks in this country, some of them are just awful authoritarians to get back for past depression. And they've become the monster that they despised and it's a yeah. shame yeah that's such a subject like within christian well i think both within christianity and libertarianism uh you know on, on the lgbt stuff that like it's impossible to not impossible but it's just it's a very hard like you know i don't I, like i don't know when i read the bible and my just personal religious journey up into this point when someone just flat out asks me you know because sometimes people do that like well you're a christian do you think this stuff's sinful i go i really don't know it's like, and I'm not, you know, uh, you know, in that I'm not LGBT myself. So mm -hmm. I guess like, I don't have to deal with it as much. When someone asks me, it's like, I don't know. I kind of lean towards no some days, but then some days it's like, I don't know. I also, I hear the arguments for yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I also don't believe that, you know, like my, what I come down to at the end of the day is that like, we're all sinners. So it's just like, even well, if you things don't believe are... in the force of law for it, you know, but oh, some libertarians yeah. will not allow libertarian other libertarians to have a religious difference on that. I came to the conclusion that I don't I think most of the passages that people use today to condemn um, gay people are misinterpreted. That's just my opinion. I, I've come to that conclusion. And well, yeah, I used of, to be yeah. I used to be very fundamentalist. No, no, no. That's a sin. No, no, no. And through my own study, I came to that conclusion before I was a libertarian. It wasn't influenced. Maybe I became a libertarian because I started coming out of fundamentalism. But I I realized though when I was a fundamentalist and believed that it was sinful, I didn't hate gay people. Yeah. And I think too many people who think who who believe who Christians who have those opinions think they hate gay people and yeah, they don't understand that they honestly believe that's what God said. That's a very powerful motivation that does not require hate. In fact, at least for me, when I had that position, it was hard for me to have that position because I had a lot of gay friends and yeah. like there was a turmoil in me. I certainly did not hate gay people when I had that position. Yeah. I, I um, have one of my, one of my, like one of my, the friends I've made in the LP and the Macy's caucus is, is gay. And like I, I've been on it, it's a, uh james gentleman i don't know if you know him by know name him. or not mm -hmm. yeah so like you know i've been on his podcast he's been on mine we've talked a lot and it's just like yeah and it's like i don't think of him any differently because because he's gay um and it's not something that like i don't look at people and question you know if they're christian and, and their salvation because like again like we're all sinners so even if that's something where god god does say like well this isn't the way that i would ideally want you to live it's like okay but like there's a lot of people who are in straight marriages and who watch porn or who cheat on their spouses or do this and that. And it's just like, you know, we're, we're all sinners. So it's like, I don't know why that one sin needs to be such a thing that gets hyper-focused on by some Christians. But then also I think what you say is true, which is, I don't think, I think there are some 
there is some homophobia in the church and some people who oh, just of course. hate that and there's people. sexism in the yeah. church and there's every ism that's bad the sexism um, but, is very bad i mean i grew up watching oh God, I, I grew God. up watching so many women that i knew in my family and stuff that were just forced into the most abusive relationships damaged by the there. church um and 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 that's horrible and and no, the way I, the church yeah. has treated the lgbt community over the years has not been christ-like because it's like whether you believe that they have like they're living in sin or not it's like okay like jesus didn't say love your neighbor go preach the gospel oh but the the gays keep them out of like you know don't talk to the gays it's like no like they're they are people that christ died for just like everybody else um i don't view them as as any to me there is no other you know what i mean like we're all mm -hmm. to me we're all children of, of, of god so but I'm i can gonna, tell you yeah. I lost a great deal of my Christian friends when I became um, accepting, when I became LGBTQ accepting. And let me tell you, I became that before I re listen, it's been a process for me. I've only ever had relationships with men because I've been a Christian most of my life. So I never really even like yeah. wanted to deal with the fact that I'm also attracted to women. So I've never had a relationship with a woman, but I have attraction to women. Um, so like that came later. It wasn't because, you know, whatever, but, um, so, so many, I, I, I don't know. It's such a weird obsession in, 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 in Christian circles on that one particular thing. And I, I really don't get it. Um, but the sexism thing, oh my God, that's even worse in the church. I I've experienced way, way more of that. But here's the thing. Like, I love what one of my pastors said was, you know, when a jerk becomes a Christian, they just become a jerk with a Bible, you know, <laughs> it's worse probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. my, and that pastor ended up being a guy who was cheating on his wife the entire time, mega church pastor, the biggest church in Fort Lauderdale and possibly molested a child. The parents pressured the child into re withdrawing the charges. So no investigation, who knows? There was an accusation and then it got withdrawn. Who knows what happened? But oh yeah. my, that like that is what really like shattered my faith in the in fundamentalism because I was very involved in that church. And then to find out this guy we had on the pedestal, yeah, was uh, boinking a bunch of women is just, you know, heartbreaking to me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of hypocrisy there to be sure. Um, yeah. and and it's like at the end of the day, um. You are right. A lot of the passages on the subject, I think, like uh, when the Old Testament was talking about homosexuality, it was often in the context of like pagan uh, rituals of, of worship that were not just like they weren't even just bad. They weren't bad because of just like the fact that they were homosexual. They were worshiping foreign gods. They often involved children like they were like these cultures were very evil and um yeah, no and in the yeah. old testament it was in the context of idolatrous temple practices and let me tell you the the this wasn't a pat the first thing that got me to start questioning this issue was i asked myself where is lesbianism con condemned in the old testament it's silent on that topic it only talks about male homosexuality so did they not if you're going to take the idea that homosexuality is wrong did God just forget to mention like the women. Um, and I know people claim Romans one mentions it, but okay, let's just stop that for a second because the early church interpreted that as sex that didn't lead to child. It was sex just for pleasure that purposely yeah. you spilled your seed or you did something to thwart 
possible pregnancy. That's how they interpreted that passage. Um, the natural, but anyway, uh, but in the Old Testament, point to anywhere that lesbianism is condemned. It's not. And that open is like, well, that's a problem. There's a problem here. Um, and that's what got me starting to question. And I do believe all the references are in reference to, there was a lot of weird sexual temple shit that went on back then that we just don't yeah. know. And there was a lot of rape, uh, male rape of young boys. Oh yeah. That was very prevalent in that culture that was part of it pederasty there was just a ton of that and that also i think is is what was being condemned and also in that culture when it's talking about now go back to the old testament when conquerors came in the way they um humiliated the soldiers they conquered them was to rape them as men like yeah. they would, they was, would bugger them. That yeah. was considered a way to humiliate your enemy. So we've got to take all of that, you know, into, into context. And I, I don't think at all that applies today. And I just ask any Christian, listen, I, I know people, I don't, I don't like the, the, the very fundamentalist thing of, Oh, you know, you can't trust your experiences because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and all that. Um, if that's true, then you can't trust anything you believe. Like, and I, I don't believe that's what that passage was trying to say. And I just ask Christians with an open heart, you probably know a very loving homosexual couple. Just observe them for a while and see if you call that evil. I've known some very, very like I've known some homosexual couples that were much more modeling of what a marriage should be than some heterosexual couples. And I just cannot condemn that. I just cannot believe that is wrong. Um, and maybe that is my emotions, but God gave me my emotions too. And I've spent a long time in prayer about this. Yeah. I, I My sister's uh, bisexual too. And so I've had to think about this stuff a lot and it's yeah like i can't really view no she's in a she's in a relationship with a man right now but um but yeah i i don't it, it's hard for me and like the, the arguments that people make on the other side that like the scriptural ones that we talked about to me don't hold a whole, a whole lot of weight i think sometimes people make a critique that's like well it's you know we can't put ourselves in the pursuit of our pleasure and our happiness above following god and i'm like okay well i i agree with that to a point but then we also need to I think the way I judge things is more by looking at the fruit and like, yes. is somebody demonstrating the fruits of the spirit and is their relationship yeah, demonstrating a bad the fruits of the spirit? A tree cannot bring forth good fruit. Like they right. ignore a lot of passages, but Romans one, I mean, it's so obvious when they say they went on to worship birds and animals and creeping things. It's so obvious. It's yeah. about idolatry. Right. So and it's I like, know people me, go, well, it's idolatrous to reject God's model. Well, okay, listen, I mean, it seems to me you really want it to say that. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's two possible interpretations and you see good fruit in the lives of married gay couples. I think that's probably the better interpretation. And the fact is we don't let, um, there's people, I don't know if you know that I have a Christian, I have a book out, a commentary on Matthew 24. And I think it's still being used at Liberty University as part of the curricula. It has been for a long time. It's on eschatology. It's like a 400 page book just oh, on Matthew 24. But what I learned going through that is people say, um, 
you need to interpret the Bible literally. And I'm like, literal to who? Literal to the people it was written in that context or today? We're doing a great disservice if we yeah. try to take the idioms in the... It was written yep. in that culture, and we have to put ourselves in that culture to understand it. And, oh, my God, does the Bible come alive when you do that? Right. When yeah. you try to put it into today, what, what 500 years from now, now they're going to be reading spaceships or something into there? No, you have to read the Bible in the context in which it was written. And, oh, my God, you get so much more out of it. Um, but I, um, I wrote that book because I almost lost my faith over the timing statements in the Bible. I kept reading in the Bible that it said this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And I saw how my church was trying to pervert that. To me, that was pretty clear what that meant. So I went on an eschatological journey. I ended up in the Orthodox partial preterist camp and the scripture came alive. Um, but going back into the historical context, I think is what we have to do. Yeah. And there weren't committed like married gay couples back then. The gay relationships back then, or even the forced ones, they were freaking abusive. They were mostly pederasty and we have to take it in that context. Yeah, I mean, it was in the co context of the Roman culture, which was very awful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. in some senses, <laughs> yes, very bad. <laughs> yeah, so I I agree with all that. I think it's you know it, it's one of those topics that um, Christians wrestle wrestle with, and then when you know, like my biggest part, and I think you agree with this too, is like when Christians become you know start looking into libertarianism and they want to come into the movement into the party but they're still holding some of those like fundamentalist beliefs. It's like, I don't think that it's helpful when people label them as like, you know, well, you're a, you're a bigot. You can't be yeah, in the party. Just, and just, yeah, it's like, it's like even in a certain culture and you need to educate them out of it. If you think it's harmful. I mean, I think I'm living proof. It can happen. Yeah. Or even if their beliefs don't change, it's like, as long as they're not advocating for the state right, to do anything forced, about right. it, that's the most important thing for being a libertarian. And then I do. I agree. Yeah. But I, I think our party is very hostile to religious people. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I've gotten a lot of that, too. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, it's, you know, I, I, I've gotten good and bad. I've, I've also met a lot of people in the party who are Christians. And so and I think sometimes they're quiet about it, but then they realize they're very quiet yeah. about it. <laughs> I, I make no um, apologies. So when I go out and talk and use a lot of biblical allusions and stuff, I get a lot of people coming up to me going, wow, you know, I, I just, I'm very quiet about this. And, you know, I, I, I don't do the biblical allusions to try to be like preachy at people. Um, I think any um, religious text has a lot of things that just resonate with the human experience. That's why that yeah. religion is successful. Well, I know you, you said before I, you know, if that If I you're... was really familiar with the Quran, which I'm not, I probably would be using allusions from the Quran. Well, um, but I'm steeped in the Bible because that's been my faith for multiple decades now. And I think I think I've heard you say on your podcast before that you're somewhat of a fan of of Jordan Peterson, like not. Oh not yes, every, I am. Yeah. No, no, I, and, I yeah. like Jordan Peterson. Yeah, and I know like there, there's obviously like you know he's he's not a not a libertarian in the strictest sense. He has libertarian leanings. He's getting but there though. He's, he is getting uh, his conversation. Did you watch his conversation with Bob Murphy? Yes. That was he's amazing. Getting there. He's getting there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I love the way that he approaches religion where he can get people who aren't like religious in the sense of like you and I, where we believe mm -hmm. in, in God, but they just like, listen, like there are archetypes and truths about the human experience mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and psych in human psychology 
and society that exist in these stories and humans kind of like the way we learn a lot of our morality and 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 social behaviors and whatnot is through stories so you know i think you know i'm always telling people listen you don't have to believe in the truth of the bible for the like there's a listen like the story of cain and abel you don't need to be a christian to look at that story and, and gain like you know i mean you could you could make lectures on just that story alone for probably years because there's so much mm-hmm. just in that one story and the bible's filled with so many of them but i agree with you, like i can learn from greek mythology i yes, can learn absolutely. from i can learn from from you know I, I can i find lessons to give my kids from like marvel movies and stuff you yeah, know look what at I mean? me so, with game of thrones i can yeah, do game a whole of thrones. review out of yeah. game of thrones you know well, I, yeah, yeah people we 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 uh communicate through through stories I, I, I believe Jordan Peterson is spot on with that. And yeah, I kind of like his mystical interpretations. Uh, you know, I do come from a more, uh, you know, what I've embraced as a more pietistic type of tr- uh, Anabaptist tradition, uh, almost lean towards Quakers, um, where I yeah. do think, you know, there's nothing wrong with these more mystical interpretations. I think it enriches our experience. See, I'm I'm more like I grew up in a more like neo-Calvinist, like reformed camp. Mm-hmm. But as I become an anarchist, I've like, you know, you know, used to meet more Christians. A lot of the Christian anarchists I've met are kind of like what, you know, Anabaptist, you know, kind of in that mm-hmm. leaning. And it's like, I, I like these conversations. I, I, I don't want to gatekeep in libertarianism i don't want right. to gatekeep in christianity either because to me it's like i didn't the, the early church didn't do that a lot of the things that christians squabble over were things that there was various various opinions on and stuff even in the early church and i think our theology is better when we keep an open mind and when we yeah. we try to learn from each other i think that's a calvinist uh, for a while yeah um, <laughs> I, think, um, I think more calvinists need to take Molinism a bit more seriously. I'm a I think Molinist. I'm a yeah. Molinist. Well, I, oh to God, me it's... nobody knows that. Like I, that term doesn't use most people. Most Christians don't even know that view. No. You know? Yeah. And, and to me, it's a, it's like it it completely to me it completely satisfies the Calvinist view of God's sovereignty yes. without violating human freedom. Um, Correct. So and and then some Calvinists like James White go like, well, I, I know wanna... I listen to James White all the yeah. time, but he's such an <laughs> asshole sometimes. Yes, yeah, I love him, and I, I've, I've he's loved a him great a lot. debater. Oh yeah, and I've loved him and Dermot in that camp over this past year because they were one of the few Christians out there really calling the church to to defy the lockdowns and stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Durbin did a a sermon called "No King But Christ," and I was like, yeah, yeah, like cheering them on. But mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes they get a little like they get they critique Molinism because they're like well it's putting it's they, they still think it's putting human freedom before god because mm-hmm. it's saying god is a servant to his middle knowledge which i, I don't i don't think they understand Molinism to be frank no, i don't right and yeah, yeah. well it, it, it's 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 and i know they say there's no grounding in it and that's just i don't know but i mean like the, <sighs> the word the, the trinity is a concept that we derive right. from the bible but it's not explicitly mentioned and to me molinism kind of fits in that same camp where it's right, like it does yeah. where, where where there's logical priority rather than you know because you say that the well i i'm not getting into the whole eastern orthodox thing is the spirit proceed from the son or from the son and the father oh my right. god i can't believe there was a church split over that I know. <laughs> people get a job <laughs> i know but yeah. but you know the logical priority of the different different levels of knowledge and yeah to me i you know i I went from Arminianism to Calvinism and then Calvinism just struck me, even though I felt like it was the scripture 
my internal sense of justice said it was unjust and I just couldn't live with that. And then I found Molinism. Yeah. And it's like in all these camps bring something in. Like I, I think that the Calvinists bring a emphasis on God's sovereignty and, mm-hmm. and like role as like who we should obey above all else. And I think that's important, but then there's other camps within Christian, within, within Christendom that, bring other points of emphasis that I also appreciate. And so that that's kind of where I'm at in my theological journey. But yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's funny. So we got some really uh, obscure views. So what's your eschatology? I'm, con- I'm curious. I, um, I've looked into, pre- uh, so like I, I kind of am more of a, a millennialist and. Well, that's uh, a millennial I've, view. That's a, okay. Um, yeah. And then, and like, I, I've kind of, so I've, I've looked into, you know, preterism and all that. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like eschatology is so like, Sometimes I feel like it's just like over my head and I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, Can I invite they... you to read my book? I think you'll love I, it. I will. Yeah. What's and the name I, of it? Okay. And I wrote under a pseudonym, which people like think they're doxing me today or think like they're uncovering some secret, like the people who don't like me. Let me just get this out here because I want to show those people how they're being assholes. I had to post and write under a pseudonym because I was in an abusive marriage in which my husband would not let me have an identity online. And he said I had to come up with a fake name. So those of you who are gloating over that, just know that you're exploiting a very painful part of my life in which I was married to a police officer. And just that should let you know everything. Okay. So, um, but because in my Christian life, I use that pseudonym that's all people knew me under so that's what i wrote under so the name of the book is called it's not the end of the world and my pseudonym was <laughs> dd d-e-e-d-e-e warren um and it got great reviews on amazon i still get royalty checks but i have a my talent is to take very dry and boring topics and make them interesting and hilarious so i made the end of the world pretty fucking funny and um it, i do bring it down Nobody who's read that book has ever said, oh, wow, I don't understand this view. They're like, oh, my God, I never understood it. They might not agree, but they understand it then, um, which is why I like to teach about bylaws and shit like that. In Robert's Rules of Order, I can make Robert's Rules of Order sexy. Like, come on, <laughs> we, Mike and I just make it completely filthy. And if we can make the Robert's Rules of Order filthy, you'll enjoy the book. Um, so I would love to have a conversation with you after you've read it. Um, sure. I, think we, I, will, I think we would have a lot of fun. Yeah, I will. I will uh, get it, read it, and then we'll we'll schedule a uh, second podcast yeah. to talk about that. Because, yeah, eschatology is something I'm getting I've been getting into more lately but it's just like it can get overwhelming just like all well, the different and camps i see amanda and says yeah. she uh wants to read it's on amazon um again it's not the end of the world um by dd warren it's got a black cover with like lightning bolts on it um because there's there's several books called it's but it's the only one that's eschatology and i self-published it through zulon because i couldn't bear anyone editing it and taking out things i thought were important i wanted it to be long i wanted it to be the comprehensive work on my, on that view of matthew 24 and everyone who's read it said you got everything into one place you know um heavily footnoted heavily researched it took me a decade to write it and it was certainly um a labor of love so amanda i would love to know your your point of view on it as well also my uh, my wife says hello she's uh she's always she's uh since she discovered you've been a huge fan of you which i I told you at the uh, pa convention got a picture and she was like happy but also jealous and like she (laughs) called me she was like did you tell her i love her did you tell her that (laughs) (laughs) 
but um but but yeah it's you know and she always and then when she sees people complaining about you on facebook she'll always go like oh it's the mean pink haired lady getting you all triggered and upset and i'm like yep that's (laughs) it's a good accurate it's just a weird culture when i i don't even pay attention to like the haters because i don't recognize the person they hate and i probably would hate that person too like they've created like an image of who they think i am and i wouldn't like that person either and i think we tend to do that sometimes so Usually those people, when they get to know me, I mean, they might not like me, but they're usually a lot fair. Most of the people who hate me have never had a conversation with me. Yep. Let's end on a question here. Amanda asked an interesting question. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Romans. I memorized the whole book of Romans at one time. Yeah, that might be my favorite book too. I also like Galatians a lot. Romans and Galatians are two of my favorite books to to read, to go through, to cite from. A lot of the... Mm -hmm. A lot of like where you fall into these different camps, both, you know, with libertarianism or with what we were talking about with Calvinism and stuff like a lot of that comes from yeah. there. And, and but, you know, I, I, one thing I don't like is when pe- some people in the Christian uh, liberty movement and stuff don't like Paul. And they get really upset with him. And I yeah. can kind of get no, where they're coming yeah. from sometimes. But I mean, I don't he know, I, a dick sometimes. Well, yeah, Paul but, you was know, a dick sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, haven't we all been? I mean, I just love how Paul was, you know, converted. You right. Know? Yeah. And like, of course he was, I mean, he was a uh, like with his background, of course, that personality was going to play through a little bit, yeah. but you know what I mean? But I, I love his contributions. I mean, he wrote half the new Testament. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, we have to, you know, we, we, we shouldn't be shitting on, on Paul. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, so I, I would actually have two favorite books, like Romans definitely for doctrine, but for just like what the church did, like, Acts. I'm like just mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Acts as well. And the passage about Paul and Acts, like I to me, that is what shaped Paul's life and what haunted him every day was the stoning of Stephen. So when that passage says, you know, and they laid the clothes, you know, at at, at Saul's feet and Saul was consenting to his death. Um, I think that shaped Paul so much. Like every day he saw the stoning of Stephen. Um, so that passage in Acts, I just think is so particularly powerful, but the whole book of Acts is wonderful. It's so chaotic in a way too. You know, I, I do love that book as well. Yeah. And Amanda said hers is Daniel, which, you know, you'd think that would be my favorite book since mm-hmm. that's what I named my podcast after, but you know, it, it, it's a good book. It's up there. Um, I think, you know, as far as like, that's an important book, not just for, uh, Christian anarchism, but there's some passages in there pertaining to Daniel eschatology Lyme. too. <laughs> yeah, I really got into Daniel 9. Um, do you know that show called Unbelievable with Justin Brierley? It's yes, a Christian. Yes. Okay, I was on that, God, nine years ago with a pastor. Really? Wow. Talking talking about the 70 weeks of Daniel, whether there was a gap between the 69th and the 70th week. I was a bit of an asshole on that show. I um, kind of got had an asshole, like, not really... I did a gotcha, though. I, I really did. And like everyone who listened to it was like, whoa, because that whole theory of there being a gap between the six. So the, you, I'm sure you're familiar with it, where it says mm-hmm. the 69th week ended at the crucifixion. And no, no, not at the crucifixion. Crap. I'm forgetting. No, it was right before that. When did the crap? Uh, it's been a while. It ended... Well, it ended right before the crucifixion, then it's going to start again. So uh, when I was talking with this pastor and he was explaining this, I said, so there's an invisible gap between the 69th and the 70th week, which is the church. I said to him, I go, but where's the cross of Christ in this? Because 
the 69th week ends before that. I go, do you realize you just put the cross in the gap, the invisible gap, the most <laughs> important. And it was like, and then like what he said made no sense. Um, and yeah, so that was good. You might want, if you look up Dee Dee Warren and Justin Brierly, you can listen to this old podcast and you'll recognize my voice and you'll go, hot damn. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go back and find that now. Cause yeah, I listened to Unbelievable a, a lot too. That's a yeah. great, and, um, great podcast. And when uh, The Narrow Mind was on, I loved that. I was a guest on that show multiple times um, as well. Yeah, a lot, can, of, a lot uh, of Gene. He's not doing it, but that was, I thought, a really, really, really good show. Yeah, you know, we get, we got to get uh, Christian Anarchist a bit more of a name so we can get a, a Christian Anarchist yeah. for status debate on uh, Unbelievable because that's uh, it's like I'll sometimes comment in their streams and stuff to, yeah. to try to get their attention, but I think it's a debate that's you know getting a bit more uh attention in the church especially with all the covid stuff going on it's and i I don't i don't know what your church situation is mine's been up and down over the past two years and i was really disappointed yeah i I was unchurched right now i've been really disappointed with with the church to seem more interested with not uh upsetting their tax exempt status than yeah. with serving with following christ and with serving the, the people you know what i mean and you know I, sometimes i think we need to get back to the book of acts and like everyone met in their homes you know what i mean and a, stuff I, like... I don't, that's me i believe <laughs> yeah. the home church movement is what's biblical i do not see anything at all biblical about the way we do church and it's boring as hell and um i won't do it and yeah. i haven't found like a home church but uh yeah, no, I, I don't find it at all biblical. And I always hated going. And I'm like, that's not honoring to God to go somewhere where you're just like, fuck, when's this going to end? And I just won't do it anymore. And I've been much happier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely sympathize with that. Well, I went a little longer than, than mm-hmm. I had planned on going, but there's just so much we could talk yeah. about. I'll definitely get you back on after I, I read that book. Um, cause yeah, I def, I definitely think that would be interesting. Um, thanks for coming on again. I really appreciate you doing this. It was a lot of fun. Oh, no problem. Um, this is different than anything else I've done. So that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. It's a nice change of pace from, from, uh, you know, talking about the, the LP drama and stuff, hopefully. Cause I know you've done that a lot lately and I was like, hey, let's talk more fun stuff tonight. Cause you know, those people yeah. have got, they've already robbed so much of our joy and attention and stuff like they don't deserve it that much (laughs) well i can i can tell you i'm you know you'll you'll resonate with this as a christian i'm permanently changed by what happened like i'm still like really dealing with the betrayal and i i often make the i often say i hope those 11 people you know split the 30 pieces of silver amongst themselves it's um (laughs) it's not something i'm going to get over quickly um it's uh, yeah, I have a very difficult time trusting people now and we'll see what happens with the JC, but I'm kind of just resolved to put it behind me. And if I win my appeal, um, I'm going to make every effort just to be the Stepford se- secretary, meaning just a robot, do my job, make sure there's no more corruption. Cause I'll never shut up about that and yeah. get to Reno where we're going to do a reset. And I really like, like, before we close out here, like I really do think, and again, no one's no one's perfect, and and mm-hmm. we all we all do our best, but I really think that in the position you were put in, you really did an admirable job and your best effort to stay true to your principles, to stay true to even mm-hmm. being a follower of Christ, because like you were 
aggressive, but and, and like Jesus was aggressive. He turned he turned yes. over tables and chased people out. I'm with aggressive whip. So, over yeah, injustice. Yeah, I lose. Somebody my needs shit. to tell somebody needs to tell that Jesus he wasn't um o- obeying the decorum clauses when he kicked mm-hmm. everybody out of the temple. But at the same time, like you you've done your best to not hate people out of this. You've done your best to be uh, charitable. You've ex- you you've you've done your best to point to the principles, the truth, to justice, to to call out corruption. Um, and yeah, I think that at the same time, like you're, you know, you, you're kind of embodying what we talked about earlier, where it's like being a Christian and being a pacifist doesn't mean being a doormat and doesn't right. mean being inactive. Like, like pacifism is not passiveness. It's right. about like, okay, I've taken violence off the table, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways that I can be a a positive force and you know overcoming evil with good doesn't mean like you know you're giving everybody hugs and it's kumbaya like when jesus confronted people he didn't use violence but you know sometimes people you know he had to stir them up jesus triggered a lot of people so yeah <laughs> I hate to, I, yeah something i like to bring up every time even we remotely might talk about what happened because i i don't think people have really took this in and I do have the receipt. And it's the fact that there's a core group of people on the LNC. I don't know the identities, though I could guess, who resolved from the moment I was elected to remove me. I have an email from Richard Longstreth admitting this. So it's not even about what I did. They were waiting and trying to yeah. bait me this whole time. And that's evil. I'm sorry. That is just completely immoral. And that's the real story i think here is the fact that there were people who from the who had a plot from the kinda moment like i the, was elected like the pharisees to, i kept trying to catch jesus yeah. in a trap and followed everywhere tried to so it's you know, not yeah. about what i said it really isn't and if you look at laura epke's top four reasons for why she supported my removal had nothing to do with my behavior it had to do with my beliefs and that you is money on a youtube channel oh, yeah. the oh audacity but it's like the the stupidest thing, in my view. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I just have zero respect for that. Every, I, I tell Here, these people. Somebody, um, because this is what's really bad. I, some, uh, Ken, Kenny Kelly wrote this great post because in the my crimes, it was saying my profile really isn't private because. I can reach 13,000 people. And Kenny was like, this is a real okay boomer moment. You do realize that's like nothing, you know? That's not a big reach. If you were like, trying to grift based upon your position in the LNC, you were not doing a very good job of it. Cause you could, no. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, you could have, oh if you were going to, if you're going to like act corrupt in that position, like, you could have had so much more followers and, and be and like, you know, yeah. like, but for like them to just... think a 13,000 reach is a big deal. That's very okay. Boomer. But what's even more okay. Boomer is YouTube is now a job. It's not the side thing. People make a full-time living at this. So what they're basically saying is if you're on the LNC, you can't have can't this have particular job. job, which is and like, okay, well is... pay, pay me. It's like, it's like, so, so yeah. if you want, if you want the LP to have paid positions, then advocate for yeah. that, and then people can just do that. But uh, 
you can't tell people they can't have jobs and then like to be they like can't have well, this job. Well, then, well, how can Laura Epke be on the Platt Institute, which yeah. is a political organization that certainly she is using not directly. She can never not be who she is. The fact that she is a former senator will go with her through her whole life and it will be advantage to her that other people don't have. Same thing as being a current member of the LNC. You don't think that's taken into consideration when people offer her things of course it is and that's not her fault she earned that yeah we're not like we it's this weird like they want you to compartmentalize that like okay over here i'm the lmc secretary and over here on my youtube channel i run a liberty podcast but can't ever talk about i'll always be this when i'm not in this role or if they successfully do remove me i'm going to always be the former, well, I'm going to say secretary in exile, but they'll call me the former secretary until Reno, when hopefully I'll be the current secretary yeah, again. Well, I hope I'm rerunning. Um, no matter what, I'm either rerunning or get running for reinstate. I don't know. I haven't come up with a clever thing, but I, I'm running in Reno, whether I'm still the secretary or um, they illegitimately have removed me, which is why I'll say secretary in exile, because I do not accept their judgment. It's unjust. And I don't I believe the delegates judge me, not the LNC. Yep, I agree. Um, thanks again for coming on. Um, for <laughs> a, a lot of people that are here watching me, also follow you. But for those who don't mm-hmm. plug, you know, the, the where people can find you and stuff, uh, your YouTube oh, channel grift? and all that. I should do my grifting? Right, yeah. You know, okay. every time someone complains about your grifting, I go over and give you a super chat. I, That's my rule. <laughs> So Pink Flame of Liberty is basically, um, that's my YouTube channel. Um, I would say follow me on social media, but I'm always getting banned. So like those channels fall silent for a while. I have not yet to be banned from Twitter. So that's probably the best place. So I am Karen Ann Harlos on Twitter. You can't miss the the pink hair, you know, uh, icon or avatar or whatever they're calling it. But but YouTube Pink Flame of Liberty is uh, my channel. And I it's very libertarian party focused. Despite oh, what the so LNC much. says, it's not very, it, it, a minor part of it is about the LNC. I deal with party history and party yeah. ideology. Um, and I also like to explain things that are typically very boring in an interesting way. Like I just did an episode on, okay, I appeal to the JC. How does that work? Most people don't have any idea. And so I didn't even have to deal with the facts of my case. I just dealt with the mechanics of how the JC works. And I think I just educated a bunch of people about that. Oh, and God, Amanda made me forget. I do have another one that I do with Mike, um, which is the cult of R-O-N-R. And I teach you Robert's Rules of Order in a filthy way. So if if you, if you yeah. if that sounds interesting, if you want to hear that's what she said a million times. Um, but you do learn a lot. It's very hilarious, I think. I think it is. some other yeah. people is. It, it certainly is an acquired taste, though. Some if you're very easily offended, you you won't like it. But if you have a healthy sense of humor, you will learn a lot about Robert's Rules of Order. Um, and yeah, we we tweak the priests. That's why we call it the cult of R O N R. And you just really yeah, take R O N R way too seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you make R and R easier to digest. You also do really good episodes where you'll take like clips, like make like main like sometimes mainstream podcaster mm-hmm. clips, or just and you'll kind of like you know do like you know a minute here give your, your yes. analysis and feedback and stuff and those are my favorite episodes that you do i really like you know that that kind of like that style and stuff that you do those are some yeah of your, and your i need to it's been a while since i've done one of those i usually do my makeup when i'm doing those um 
because I just think that's funny to do political commentary while you're doing your makeup. Because there's a trend on YouTube of these get ready with me's, and it's usually right, like yeah. murder mystery or whatever. Nobody does it politically, so I did it kind of as a joke, but I like it. Um, yeah, I need to do another one. I, I, I saw some of that King Pill guy stuff I downloaded that I'm like, oh god, I know. But I got to do my skit on that first. I got it. There's a few things I need to buy. I'll be um, interested to see that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. So yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff I need to download, listen to, but I want to start downloading some. Not, I, I'm always doing Dave Smith and uh, Ben Shapiro because I listen to them a lot. I, I need to go back to some more like not big. Like I used to do like, who's that guy? He, I don't know. He used to call himself... Um, Mr. Atheist, but Jimmy Snow. I like okay. dissecting his stuff because he he's not as smart as he thinks he is. <laughs> and um, who's that? Uh, crap. The, the commie guy. Oh, shit. Bosh. I need to do oh, some Bosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah, you need you to. You know, yeah. and ContraPoints. <laughs> more YouTube type uh, yeah. celebritarian type stuff. I, I like dissecting those as well because everyone talks about Ben Shapiro and you know, the big names. So I like going down a few levels. So yeah, Ben Shapiro has been just a, Ben Shapiro is kind of what got me to start looking into libertarianism, mm -hmm. but he's become so disappointing over the past few years. He's good on some things. He's terrible on something. Yeah. So I like, I like listening to Tucker Carlson he, a lot as well. Yeah. I can take people with the good and the bad, but just because he's the one that, cause I, I voted for Bernie Sanders back in 2015. Like I mm -hmm. used to be pretty hard left and he was the one that kind of got me to at least like, he's good on economics and that's what brought me in. But then it's just like, man, if you're good on economics, like, if you really under, and he even quotes like Mises and stuff in his podcast yeah. sometimes. And so it's like, how can you know this stuff? And then like be so boomer con sometimes like you're a millennial, but you're just like a, a boomer in millennial clothing. I just, ah, oh, drives have you, me nuts. Have you watched his sister's show at all? No, I haven't, but I've heard you say it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not political. It's very, oh my God. I did, I did a few episodes on it and I'm pretty, uh, those episodes I think are pretty funny because I really just, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's something, she is something. So you can imagine that family. When I watch that, I'm like, oh my God, that must've been an interesting upbringing. Yeah, that's. The, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch her stuff. I didn't even know he yeah. had a sister until you talked about it in one of yeah. your shows. Yeah, classically but. Abby. So she tells you how to be a classic woman, and I'm like, classic in what sense? You know, like classically Greek. They used to do orgies and shit. Abby, is that what you want? <laughs> you want the Dionysian uh, frenzy? <laughs> that's very classical. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, uh, poor poor Benny. Uh, doesn't know how to you know please his wife as the joke goes though so I saw oh I, god yeah. <laughs> that was i did something on that too that was and he that kept was, going with it i know oh. i know it was just like dude come on like just take the l sometimes yeah, you gotta yeah. take the l <laughs> and on twitter it's like there's more things there's things more important in life than sexual satisfaction it's like dude are you now admitting you don't know how to satisfy your wife <laughs> that was so bad. did you see that guy who did the skit of ben shapiro and like He's with this guy and he's like, and he said, oh, his wife just left the car. He goes, touch the seat. It better not be wet. <laughs> Dry as a bone. Good. <laughs> oh, God. No, I haven't. That sounds Oh, sounds it's hilarious. hilarious. Oh, my God. That poor oh, guy. Oh, God. <laughs> he's a character. <sighs> well, thanks again, Karen oh, Ann, for okay. coming on. It's It's been a blast. And uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, go, go follow Karen if you haven't. She has 
great stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously if you can like and subscribe to this podcast and share it, you know, I mean, I've started to build somewhat of an audience, but like, I'd like to get the message out there a bit more. Um, I'm just one person, but the more people we have out there, the more our voices can be heard, uh, the more people we can attract. And, you know, even if we can't convince everyone to be libertarians, the more people we convince, the better off we're going to be. So, oh, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I mean, we are out there gathering the lost sheep of the the remnant Ro- as it goes. Yeah, yeah. Of, of Rothbard or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, yep. So thanks, everybody, and uh, enjoy the rest of your nights. Bye bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.